0: begin with a little thought experiment. Say we set up a booth someplace where all married people in the congregation would tell their story, the story of their relationship, one at a time, a la Survivor or the real world. Somebody doesn't like that idea at all. There's no chance that your spouse will ever hear your perspective on your, your telling of this, your relationship story, and there's no fear of judgment from the person you're telling the story to. How would you tell the story? How similar do you think your story would be to that of your spouse? How would your story leave you feeling about your spouse or about yourself? Stories have unmatched power. They shape our perception of reality. Think of your family's story, our congregation's story, the nation's story. There's a lot of controversy out there about how we tell our country's story in particular. In telling the story, whose experience do we emphasize? Whose do we not pay as much attention to? Which facts or perspectives matter? I'm old enough to remember hearing the story of George Washington and the cherry tree told in school as if it were an indisputable fact. I also remember hearing that Washington was first in war, first in peace, and first in the hearts of his countrymen, but nothing about the slaves that he owned at Mount Vernon. Selective telling. How we, how we tell the story matters a great deal. In today's reading, Joshua gives his farewell charge to the Israelites. We've come a long way from Mount Sinai, perhaps 50 or 60 years. The entire first generation of those who left Egypt have died, except for Joshua and maybe Caleb. The people are in the land, they're settled. Things are they're starting to really become a settled nation with a land. For a brief moment, there's rest. So to begin, Joshua tells a story. The Israelites in Joshua's telling began not as a special people, not as a particularly numerous or blessed people, but like all other peoples. In fact, just one one no-account family, really. They came from people who worshipped the gods of the land. Then out of sheer grace, God chose Abraham and his family and led him to Canaan, the land in which they now reside. Through all the tragedies and trials of Israel's history, from their 400-year enslavement to their many battles, God kept the Israelites intact, a special possession among the peoples. Now, there are some elements to Joshua's story that sound really disturbing to our ears nowadays. For the Israelites to possess the land meant the violent subjugation and extermination of the peoples that were already living there. As heirs of European settlers in the Americas, that should give us pause. Indeed, the Joshua story was used to justify the conquest and murder of indigenous peoples here. Do you see the power of such stories, for good and for ill? Such a horrific misuse of Joshua's story goes far afield from what the compiler of this tradition intended, though. Joshua's story, you see, is not the story of a glorious people who had achieved their manifest destiny. It is rather the story of a subjugated, enslaved, and conquered people. When the story reached its final form that we read today, the Israelites had suffered their greatest catastrophe— on personal, civic, and theological levels. The holy city of Jerusalem had been sacked by the Babylonian king. The temple had been burned. After King Zedekiah was made to watch his sons killed, he was blinded and led into exile so that the death of his line would be the last thing he would ever see. That's not the story of a victorious people. That's not the story of glory. This is the story of a people who have lost everything. Yet, amid these disasters, the redactor of this book of Joshua, the compiler of all these traditions, brings us back to the key point. Despite the disasters that the people have endured over the ages, despite generations of trauma, God has been faithful. God led God's people through the sea, through the desert, against foes more powerful and numerous than they, through Actions, decisions, choices, both good and bad, God has been faithful to God's people. So they're in exile. The people face a choice. The same choice they faced when Joshua gathered them as Shechem all those years ago. Whom shall they serve? Will they serve the Lord, who brought them out of Egypt and led them into a good land? Or other gods of their own imagining? Will they fulfill their call to be God's holy people, a blessing to the nations and a light to the peoples, or drift into a more or less comfortable assimilation with the culture around them? The story of the exiles in Babylon was the same as the story of those who had gathered at Shechem, those who gathered at Sinai, those who crossed the sea, all those generations ago. All of the story was their story. Likewise, we at Shalom share a common story. We not only share in a common Christian heritage, going back to an empty tomb on a Sunday morning, we also share in the history of God's people in this place. A few of you remember what it was like when this congregation was founded as a mission start of the American Lutheran Church in 1982. But all our members share in its establishment, whether you've been here since then, whether you were at the incorporation meetings, or whether you joined just a few months ago. God was faithful to Shalom at the beginning of its ministry, when in 20 short months it grew from 52 to 220 active members. That was good. God has also been faithful to Shalom through some of the hard times. God was faithful to Shalom when two of our first three pastors had to resign due to misconduct. One, happening to a church can be de- is devastating. Two is just and it's just remarkable to think about. It's unheard of. but I, the fact that Shalom is still here after all of that is a testament to the God-given resilience of you all of these of the people that are here. God was faithful to the shalom during the redevelopment of, of, of the congregation in the late 90s, early 2000s, when Pastor Smuts came knocking on some of your doors. God was faithful to shalom at the beginning of, at the annual barbecue with the, with, that has been our outreach to the community for the past 37 years or so. God was faithful to Shalom during the long tenure of Pastor Ossing, who welcomed many more of you into the congregation. God was faithful to Shalom through what some of you call the kerfuffle, in which our youth minister left and many young families left with her. God was faithful to Shalom during the ups and downs over the past decade, including a terrible pandemic that began six months into my ministry here. It has been quite a ride. Ups and downs. Good choices and not so good choices. But the fact is, is that God has been faithful through all of it to us. It's our story, folks. God's faithfulness to this congregation through all, through everything. Because we know that without God's faithfulness in Jesus Christ, we would not be here as a congregation today. We would have long since scattered, we would have gone our various ways, and yet, we are still here. We are still here. There's reason to be hopeful for what's coming ahead. We're welcoming a new youth minister. We have a core group of people that have been so faithful, so dedicated in sharing their time. Thanks be to God. Of course, we, none of us know what's going to happen in the next few months. No one ha- knows what's going to happen in the months or years ahead. But God has been faithful to Shalom in the past. And God will continue to be faithful to Shalom in the future, whatever happens. There's a lot to be hopeful about as we look ahead. So confident of God's faithfulness to us, what shall our response be as Shalom Lutheran Church in October of 2022? Whom shall we serve? And whom shall we place our hope? Shall we serve the gods of the land, so to speak? Wealth, power, slick marketing, being like that church over there, whoever that church is. Or shall we serve the God who has brought us safely to where we are today? I hope that our answer is that of Joshua. And that answer is more meaningful than a cross-stitched phrase on a pillow. Let it rather be written on our hearts. As for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.